Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscape of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow-through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Marie-Francois, a professional snowboarder, environmental advocate, and entrepreneur. We chatted about how to be an activist in your community, her creation of a seaweed farm off the coast of BC, and how when you're really clear, the path opens up. Good afternoon, Marie, and thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you, Aaron. I'm so happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Where are you right now in the world? I'm in Whistler, BC. So I spend my time uh, divided between Vancouver Island in the summer and Whistler or Pemberton in the winter. So I have the best of both worlds. And uh, yeah, that's why I call myself very lucky. <laughs> Proverbial dream living. So you do a lot of different things from snowboarding to environmental advocacy to entrepreneurship. And what are you up to now that we might not know about? What are some hobbies or projects that are new for you at the moment? Well, I think I'm, I'm somebody that uh, always has different things going on and sometimes it's a bit of a flaw. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to find focus because there's so many things in life that interest me. I, um, I think maybe most people know me as a snowboarder, but there's a lot of different things that I'm passionate about. Um, so I think if I can give a short answer, I always tried to um, divide my time between snowboarding, but also using that as a tool for activism and especially environmental activism. So I'm involved in different things on the side. And I guess the snowboarding is my recharge to keep fighting. And it's also my living. And with all the free time, it's, I try to use it as much as possible to give back in the best I can. Fantastic. And I know you're on the board of Protect Our Winners Canada. Uh, you've done a number of movies that are snowboarding in, in the snowboarding genre, but have a, a, an environmental spin to them for sure. And I think I heard recently you've got a new venture on the horizon. Uh, yeah. So I guess I, I talked earlier um, to you like a while back about my recent interest in seaweed farming. So I live on the West Coast of Vancouver Island and in the summer, especially this last summer, because there was so much free time, right? Um, I've been looking into seaweed farming. And the main reason is uh, because the last few years over there, there's been a pretty big issue around salmon farms. Hmm. And not just in Canada, it's happening all over the world. and. Um, it's always tricky, right? Because you can stand up against something, but at the same time, you have people who depend on that income for their livelihood. And so it's, it's hard to fight against something when you see a lot of, of the community members depending on it. So 
for me, when I found out about all the benefits for about, like about seaweed farming is that it's not only environmental benefits, like bringing fish habitat back, improving water quality um, and all these things, but it's also potentially a new industry, a new sector that can provide employment for local people, local communities. And to me, that's really interesting. And hopefully that can be a part of the solutions. And um, it's already happening. There's lots of people in this venture and I'm just learning as I go. I know nothing about it and I've been learning a lot. Yeah, in the last two years, I've been trying to like find out more and I just applied for a tenure uh, this past fall. So it's a long process. It'll take probably a year for me to get approved. If I get approved, I might need to adjust. But uh, yeah, I, I like this as a summer project that hopefully will work out. Got it. So it fits a couple of different parts of you. It sounds like it's good for the environment, it's sustainable, it's good for community, and you are tied to the ocean as a surfer. Uh, and, uh, and anything else about, you know, that, about seaweed or about that process that you've uncovered as you've kind of dug into this potential venture that, that also sort of you connected with in a way that maybe you didn't realize when you first started exploring this idea? Yeah, for sure. I think there is, there's so many avenues that are possible through this sector. And if anything, I'm at this stage right now where it's pretty overwhelming to know where to focus because you can go many different routes. You can uh, develop food with it. You can use it as soil fertilizer. You can have literally an offset, carbon offset company with it. You can use it as a restoration tool. So um, cosmetics as well. And there's so many different like amazing benefits to seaweed, also medicinal. So right now I am, um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what are we going to do with it? It's one thing to apply for a farm. And uh, a lot of people are harvesting wild seaweed as well. But since the kelp forests on the West Coast here are disappearing very quickly, which most people don't know, I just think that it's better to add habitat instead of just taking the wild, the wild population that's left. So, yeah. Got it. And I want to touch on something you mentioned a minute ago about always having your hands in a lot of different projects and, and sometimes feeling like maybe that's a fault. What drives you to take on all of these different things and, and things that you've never really taken on before? Yeah. What does drive me? I don't know. I feel if anything, I, I feel like I'm really privileged. I feel very lucky to, um, from a really young age, being born on the East Coast, somewhere that's very wild and uh, growing up in a good family that exposed us, me and my two older brothers, to nature from a really young age and like, you know, helped us discover the benefits of playing outside and pursuing your dreams. And I think what drives me is, first of all, realizing from growing up in a really natural wild space like realizing from a young age how much humans we are affecting our environment and like for me it hit me so hard i i don't know why it just was so obvious to me that this would be one of the biggest issue we're facing uh today and i knew it would be my whole life and um, that's why i went to school to study applied ecology 
uh, after high school, which I finished in 2004. And then, um, and yeah, I guess this drive for like snowboarding happened afterwards. It wasn't planned, but I always kept this, this, you know, like this conscience of being like, okay, snowboarding is great. And now I'm reaching all these dreams that I never thought would be possible for myself. But as you're reaching those goals, I was like, well, what do I do to give back? And like, you know, pro snowboarding is amazing, but it's, it can be very self-involved at times. And, uh, for me, for someone who benefits so much from the mountains, from the ocean, I was like, well, at least if we can, if I can, if I can use my extra resources and time to help protect it, that that's the bare minimum I can do. So these are all the things that drive me in a long answer. So it, when you, when you decide to tackle something that's brand new for you, you know, whether it's deciding to go pro as a snowboarder or to apply for a tenure for a seaweed farm, is it always full steam ahead for you and you're super confident and clear, or do you have, you know, thoughts, maybe less helpful thoughts that you have to get through or tips or tricks to, to just, keep you moving forward when inevitably it gets harder than you had originally thought? Yeah. Great question. I, I think it's important for me. I'm somebody that, uh, I think cannot handle a ton of stress. (laughs) So I find from experience and I'm, I don't have the most experience in like starting a business at all. So, um, But if anything I've realized is that balance is really important for me. So whatever I go into and same with snowboarding, actually, I probably learned that the best with snowboarding is that no matter what you're trying to do, I try to find a good balance because it's what keeps you going. It's really easy to get so into something and then getting burnt out that happened to me through snowboarding at one point, like, you know, it happened all so fast within a few years I was, you know, nobody, I didn't even know you could get paid snowboarding. And three years later, I'm making like more money than I've ever thought you could make snowboarding. And I'm getting pulled in all these directions and feeling like these expectations to perform. And it was amazing. But even like, I never thought I could get over snowboarding. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, I always say it's like cheesecake. You can love cheesecake, but if you have it every day, it doesn't matter what it is, you'll get sick of it. So, and I think that's a big reason for me why I wanted to spend half my time in the, like at the ocean and falling in love with surfing. And like, you know, it makes me miss the mountain so much. And this balance is what keeps me driven to keep going. And it's very essential for me. Uh, so yeah, if anything, I don't think not knowing what you're doing is the biggest issue. I think no matter how much school you have or how many, much mentors you have, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn as you go. And I think to me, that's the, the process. That's the journey. It's like anything, any sport. And it's, it's to me, the, the best part of it. And you're going to meet new people. You're going to make connections. And that's essential. And um, yeah, I guess my point, finally, my answer would be to keep a balance, at least for me, and not being afraid of what you don't know. 
yeah, that growth mindset, the ability to, to bravely just jump in and appreciate whatever the learning is that you get in that moment, whether you're hitting your peak or your top performance or the best in class, or it's just, you now know a little bit more than you knew this morning. So have you always, is that just how you've been hardwired or is that something you've learned over the years to approach things and tasks and people in in this way? I feel like I wish I was hardwired this way. I wish we would hardwire our youth this way, um, telling them that really it's not even about uh, so much being talented at something. It's And talent can help, obviously. But for me, what I've learned is that if you're passionate about something and if you pursue it, if you do the work and you commit to the work and you pursue it, doors will always open for you. And one door is equivalent to 10 doors just right after that first doorstep. It's crazy. And I believe in that theory for anything in life. And I think that's a valuable lesson that I've learned through snowboarding, but all different aspects of life that I think it's good to remind ourselves. Like, so if the passion is there and if you're doing it for the right reason, and if you do the work, things will work out and it might not look exactly like what you had planned, but it most likely will be amazing. Yeah. The universe has this fantastic way of conspiring to give you exactly what you want when you're, when you're really clear and, and when it doesn't, it's usually because you've got some work to do to, to get clear or you're in this really mucky, uh, confused state and you're just about to, to push through the edge. So that, that's it. really fascinating. And so, you know, your retreat to the ocean and I know you built a house, a cob house, a sustainable, uh, eco-friendly house by hand. And was that process kind of stress less? Obviously there's a lot to go into building something from scratch, but it sounds like you're the kind of person who, who kind of gets a lot of joy in, in relaxation from that versus a situation where you're constantly being pulled in lots of different directions and, and having to peak perform, you know, for, for, for other people. Is that an accurate statement? Yes, I think you nailed it. (laughs) And I think sometimes I don't even realize it, but I do it subconsciously. Um, The house is a prime example. I, without knowing, I think I've set myself, uh, I set myself, in advance to not feel too much stress. I didn't put a deadline on it. And that's the beauty of building with natural materials and things like cob and recycled materials is your cost is not stressful. Like, you know, it's a much smaller cost. And like, if you are like, yeah, if you can find a time, that's probably the main thing. Um, And I had lots of help. My brother helped me so much on this project. People like, you know, I think I've done a false representation of like saying I built that whole house myself. It's totally not true. Uh, I was involved in like the whole process, but so many people helped. And, but at the same time, when my brother was busy and left, I found other people to help. And like, you know, it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it's nice to set yourself for success with stress in mind, I avoiding like stress. And then there are other hurdles for me, like you can deal with them 
as you go. Because when I first started building, I had no idea it would take me four years to build. <laughs> uh, and I knew not much about building, to be honest. I took a five-day a five course by the Mud Girls, this group of amazing women on Vancouver Island. And they give workshops about how to build with natural techniques and sustainable techniques. So in the first day I went in that course, I was like, I'm building one. That's it. it just happened like instantly. And my brother was just, when I told him that he was just rolling his eyes. He's like, Oh God. He's like, I'll help you with the roof and the carpentry, but I'm not touching these dirt walls. <laughs> let and, me ask you, let me ask you something real quick. Uh, so the enthusiasm and the, the courage to get started is, is obvious does it stick with you throughout these processes? Because I can imagine that people can also find a way to get excited and passionate and, and try different things. And then inevitably they, they stop, they get disappointed. It's harder than they thought. What do you, do you suffer from the same things? And, and if so, how do you push through it? Or are you just, does this mindset that you have just allow it to be kind of enjoyable through the, from, from start to finish? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just love that project so much. Uh, I just was committed to finishing it, but without the deadline, right? So I was like, it's okay if it takes me this long, it's okay. And even like, I made so much mistakes through it. And, um, but I really wanted to live in there, right? So that was my motivation. Although at the time I had like the, the space on my property when I bought it, there's an old trailer on there. So I already had a place to live. So in theory, I didn't have to finish it. But I just, you know, when I, I start something, I guess, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. It's like, how do we keep that motivation, right? And I, I don't really have the answer, to be honest. I, I think it's a passion. It's the passion. It's the same with snowboarding. It's like, I never thought I was naturally talented at snowboarding ever um and i am blown away of where of where it took me just by keeping doing it and i would show up at contests because i love to push myself no matter what the level i was at and i love to meet other people who love snowboarding so even without having my eyes on the prize of making it as a career it was just more for the fun of it and for the love of it and it's the same with the house it was like it was more of a, a love affair with the, the idea of living in your own self-made home that can have a smaller footprint and live a bit more in harmony with nature. And I didn't have permits. I didn't have all these hurdles. And I was like, ah, well, whatever. Take the risk. Risk is big in all these things, I find. Not be afraid to take risk. Yeah, the other thing I heard you say, too, is, you know, when your passion when your passion is how you're living your life, you know, you choose to, to really go after what it is that, that lights you up. It does not feel as much like work. And I think that that's a cliche, but some of us drift away from making choices that bring all of those things into our life as much as possible. And, and if you're wise and courageous, you can only choose things that really fit within what you really want. And then it doesn't feel like too much work. It doesn't feel like too much stress. It, it's like, uh, it, it's enjoyable. And I, I feel that way now having pivoted my career about 10 years ago where 
I never believed you could like work as much as skiing or surfing or mountain biking. And now finding that right, right, you know, profession for me, I'm like, Oh, you know, this actually feels pretty awesome to sit down and, and, and do five to eight hours worth of work. I don't need to run and, and get a, a release by surfing and skiing while I still choose to do it. It wasn't as much of a, of a necessity because my life was much more enjoyable by choice. That's right. I, like, and you know, it's, it's, I'm interested to see like, what, like, did you know that when you made the transition? I got to a point and I think you only get to this clarity when you're willing to really dig in. And some people, and no right or wrong, but some people don't take the chance to really think about how they could design their life in their most amazing way. And I think I, over time, realized what my five core values were and, and how I could live those in a new way. And I think when you live your values, it, you you're always going to be happier than when you don't. And it kind of requires you to know your values and then to make choices to bring them in as, in as much frequency and depth as you can. But when I realized that I wasn't doing that in my past work as a school psychologist, I thought, well, what are the five things I really need to keep in my life? And then how can I create a life that lets me do all of them at the time in which I want to do them for the dollars in which I think I've earned with the balance between work and family and recreation and nature. And so like you, I sort of just committed to going after what it is that I really wanted, which is, is something I've done before, but not with the stakes as this high and, um, and not so full life encompassing. And, and once I got clear, you, you said it right. Doors just kept ripping wide open and, people showed up to help me in ways I would never, never thought to ask or didn't know to ask and opportunities and uh, abundance and the whole kind of the airy fairy things that I used to sort of put, you know, tip my nose at. I thought, wow, this stuff's really, this stuff really does work. You know, if you, if you're tuned in and you pay attention. So. Yes, absolutely. That's so, that's so cool to hear. Yes. Good on you for taking the risk. <laughs> I had to take my own medicine and uh, I, I coach people and, and train people all the time on this stuff. And, uh, and then I took it and I found out it actually does work. <laughs> so, so with this whole talk of values, what would you say yours are? And I, and I will I'll box you in to say five or less because I personally don't think that you can live any more than three to five values purposefully because you wind up with your focus in too many ways. So if you think about, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, what would you say might be your five core, five or less that you live your life? And I'll also add this in. I don't think that our values change from beginning of our life to end. I think we may redefine them, but I think if, if, you know, uh, connection or nature or stability are, are values from when you're little, they're going to carry through. You're just going to redefine or reapply them. So what would you say? Wow. This, yeah, this, I should have, you should have told me this before. Maybe you did. I forgot. <laughs> it, it was in your pre-interview questionnaire. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, 
I can say, I think number one for me would be respect. I think this is something that was hardwired from a young age, from our family. Um, Respect of each other, respect of others, and respect uh, of our surroundings. So that's something I always try to keep um, being mindful of. I think joy is definitely up there. I mean, I love to have fun. (laughs) Amen. Amen to that. People ask me all the time, like, so you're still snowboarding? Like, how old are you now? Like, it's like being young forever, right? That's our goal. Um, I think... um, Isn't it funny, though? uh, I'm 44 now, and I still have the same stoke for skiing, surfing, mountain biking. And I think, you know, having a child a little bit later, I have a four-year-old and I'm so thankful that I still love to do those things because now I have a little buddy to do them with. And it also just, it keeps you healthy and loose in life so that you can chase your little ones around. So I think it's funny because you're, you're how old now? 36. Oh, baby. Still growing. Baby. Yeah. You got time. You got time to grow up. <laughs> There's plenty of time to, to, yeah, to grow up and get a real job, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so respect, joy. Um, I'd say honesty. Mm. Honesty with myself and others and trying to be, I guess, in a way, constant reminder of what's important to you. Like, you know, and... Um, like, yeah, for me, and, and like, I guess another value, and I don't know if it's a value, but like giving back whatever you can. And I know whatever I can, and because I'm aware that not everyone is in that situation. And sometimes I, it's tricky because sometimes I don't like to even talk too much about what I'm doing because I know that most people, a lot of people are, are in survival mode these days, you know, and and um i'm very privileged i'm really lucky and because of that i i just try i think it's important when you have that extra energy just to to send it out to the world and it will come back tenfold i truly believe in that yeah you said a bunch in there that made me think of humility yeah maybe that's what i was i don't want to put words in your mouth but you come across as I know you, you know, as very humble and, uh, and very giving and, 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 you know, with a lot of gratitude. So whether you choose those as, as values, I, that does come off of you. Oh, good. I try to, I try to, and it's easy to get caught up and forget, but, um, even every day I try to like, you know, think, think about my little angels and thank them and, you know, just just being grateful for what we have, even in hard times, you can always be like thinking you have it hard and you quickly realize a lot of people have it way harder. That's for sure. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I have a fifth one, but, um, that's it. Just like, yeah, joy and giving back respect, being honest. Yeah. Those are all important to me. Those are perfect. And since, you know, our values stay with us regardless of the things we choose to do or the jobs we take or the hobbies we take on. They're a connector between what seems to be very different parts of our lives. So, you know, you 
were East Coast, now you're West Coast. You were, you know, studying environment, then you were a snowboarder, then you were a, a environmentally friendly house builder, and potentially now a seaweed farmer and a political advocate. So lots of different things. Anything that you would say outside of the values that you talked about, any other connections or things that, you know, teed up the next thing that you did like we're looking backwards and going oh i didn't realize that that this was a big piece of it getting me to here or you know if someone was to look at you and go how did she get there what would you tell them that maybe wouldn't be so obvious hmm. i think i think the doors like we talked about earlier like it, it's hard to realize but when you look back at your life and you you think about all the people you've met a lot of it is through connection for sure. Uh, connections with people and, and like, you know, believing that working hard in, in a certain way, like will really bring so much more like behind all of the work. And I don't know, for me, I, I just, I, I like, there's so many things like that happen naturally. Like, for example, we haven't talked about this yet, but when my friend and I started the triple plank, this, mm. The triple plank is a snow skate surf event uh, that we host on Vancouver Island. And, you know, this only came together from, you know, realizing that one of the best way to activate often comes in your own community. And like, instead of trying to save the world at a big scale, I quickly realized, well, just start small, start with the people, you know, start with the projects and the, the things you care about right in your backyard. And that's why I was like, well, I know about these local issues about our wild salmon going extinct and about the different like, you know, complications with this. And then I'm like, well, I'm not really like in the role of a biologist, like, you know, people just know me as a snowboarder, but I'm like, well, what if we use snowboarding and all these things we love to activate on something entirely different and just connect these two and connect the people together, bring an audience that doesn't necessarily know about this and make them care and just, you know, educate a little bit more. So that's how it got born. So we're raising money every year for Central West Coast Forest Society. So this is a restoration charity based on Vancouver Island. And they're absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, we host the event and we raise money for them. And we have all the participants come out and plant some trees and shrubs on fish habitat and uh, in the watersheds. And it's just fun. Like, you know, people are just surfing, skateboarding and snowboarding, doing what they love, but they're learning at the same time and giving back at the same time. So to me, that's really exciting. And I, I was a bit like questioning at first, but now I'm like, this is the best way to activate. Just use what you love, just use what you're good at. And without trying to fit in something you're maybe not necessarily comfortable with or good at. So that was, yeah, something I learned also through this. Just hearing you describe it right after you talked about your values, <laughs> I'm going, huh, right? First, we've got respect for the environment and the community. You've got, you know, gratitude for the privilege or the things that you have and willing to give back. You've got the joy in creating change and getting away from the, the negative, the heady, the, the depressed things that come with these big problems, right? But to actually shift that and to 
to infuse it with fun and movement and action and, and to find the, the positive in making these changes. It's interesting to see, and it doesn't surprise me that, that it brings such a good impact to you and, and to others. Because when you're living in those, in those values, it, it, it rolls downhill pretty fast. That's true. Yeah. I never put those together, but yeah, it just happens naturally. But sometimes it's good to remind yourself, like, what do I want to do? What, what is my goal here out of life, but also out of my career, out of my community? How can I help my community? How can I help giving back to what I care about? And that can be anything. I mean, there's so many issues in the world, like far beyond just environmental. So I think you know, we, people are so talented and they have so many skills that sometimes I just think get forgotten or they're, they're not being explored at their full potential. And sometimes, yeah, if we can make people realize how powerful they can be, it can be really, really exciting. Absolutely. And I think I feel lucky in the work that I get to do, whether it's a coaching client or a company training to help people to, to, see and to step into that biggest version of themselves. And that's different for everybody, but you know, whether it's a small scale and the joy in just changing one community or someone who's more called to do it on a much bigger, grander scale, you know, just finding that, that clarity and that, that definition of what do you really want? I think that's such a core thing. It's a, it's a question we forget to ask because we're busy doing either what we were told to do, what, we thought we were, we wanted because it was what was around us and the willingness to pause and to reassess and to be comfortable with, holy crap, I don't know what I want. How did I get so this far and not know what am I going to do about it? Can I do something about it? And so I think that those are all really, um, really important questions to ask and then to, to move one's feet. And I think, you know, when, when people are moving and doing and, and physically, uh, you know, moving their bodies and connecting, you know, communicating, et cetera, it's real hard to stay stuck. It's real hard to stay um, stressed. It's hard to do what you've always done because you've, you're putting yourself in literally new environments, which is going to change the way that you think and feel and hopefully act. For sure. For sure. And I, I feel like a common theme that comes back is people are often looking for perfection. There's always like, Oh, I want to do this and this. And, but I like, I don't have this or I don't have that. Or what if it doesn't work? And you just, you have to let those things go because like there's no guarantee. And that's the beauty of life to me. It's like that it is unknown, but the journey it's as cheesy as it is. It is about the journey. It is about the process. Like I have no idea if this seaweed farming uh, venture will work out and I don't care because already I've met some amazing people. I've learned so much. Maybe that will bring me to something entirely different, but I'm grateful for this information and this knowledge. And I, I just believe in the process. You know, you got to keep, believing. <laughs> and are you familiar with the growth mindset concept that Carol Dweck, the she's a researcher out of Stanford, that kind of her seminal work, have you come across that? No, but tell me more. <laughs> yeah, for you, for you and for everybody listening, it's, it's fantastic work and you are embodying it to a T more or less, which is basically we 
we can fall into two categories. We can have fall into growth mindset, which is where we want to be or fixed mindset. And she has a book called growth mindset. And uh, basically the difference being is when you're in a growth mindset, every task that you undertake is coming from a place of what can I learn? How can I be a little bit better? It's not about getting to the top of the mountain or the A plus or the salary that I always thought I wanted. It's about, I'm going to get a little bit better by moving my feet, by trying, by doing things I wasn't comfortable doing, et cetera, versus the fixed mindset, which is all about, I will only be happy. I'll only be able to define success if I hit this defined endpoint. And if I don't, then everything was a failure. And what happens is if you have that mindset, you do not have the motivation to get through the tricky times. So anytime there's a hurdle, a bump, it doesn't go the way you want it. It doesn't feel particularly motivating to keep plowing through. And so what you're living is the growth mindset. And and that's how we have been starting to teach our children in schools. Uh, That's how companies have been, you know, shifting the way that they work with employees because to your point, we are all capable of, of infinite levels of, of performance, regardless of what part of life. It's the thing that gets in our way is how are we choosing to think and act when times get tough and how do we live our life from a, from a place of uh, humility, but um, belief and confidence and, and also the ability to sort of laugh and enjoy the struggle and not worry too much about what the end point is or what anybody else thinks the end point is. That's so, yeah, that's so fascinating. It's now it's you have so some true. homework, read up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's true. But I like what you said about the comfort zone. It's, it's so much about the comfort zone, not being afraid to go out of your comfort. Cause that's always for me where I've learned the most in my life, whatever it is. It's so interesting. And you talked at the very start of our conversation a little bit about, the situations that, that do kind of stress you out. Can you touch on those a little bit? I mean, there's so many, so many situations that stress me out. Uh, Like even like I was such a shy kid, you know, growing up. uh, I, I like, it's crazy if you can easily convince yourself that you're not able to do so much. Right. Uh, But I think that's another thing that snowboarding has given me so much. It's pushed me to go on my own, like so far out of my comfort zone, like driving to contests by myself, sleeping in my car, not speaking English, like going into places where everybody seems so this big community you don't feel a part of, or you don't know if you're good enough. And like, that's just like at a young age, that's really scary. But then I've, learn so much through that that like you know it's everyone's the same we all we're all scared on our own you know and um also like you know i've take classes with you with public speaking that's i've i've come a long way and i'm far from a veteran (laughs) but it's cool to throw yourself out there in places that you don't feel comfortable in and like seeing a little bit of improvement every time and seeing how that can unlock like ways to connect with people that you didn't have before. And so I think that's, that's, that's really cool. And that's really like, 
encouraging to, to see that progress and grow. I remember our conversations in Salt Lake a couple of years ago and you know, there's a, every strength has its, has its weakness. And so, you know, someone who's humble might not be thinking that the world wants them to show up in a bigger way uh, because it maybe just feels like uh, the antithesis of, of being humble, but it's interesting to watch what you've been up to. And I don't attribute it to just the work that you and I did, but just, you know, your evolution as a person, but watching you get out there and, and when Salt Lake, it felt like, Hmm, kind of want to do this. Maybe I don't want to do this. I'm not good at it. So on and so forth. And the whole group was telling, you, no, keep going, keep going. You're really talented with this. And so to watch you not only go after it, be good at it. And also seemingly let some of those thoughts, those limiting beliefs, those biases that keep us where playing small to just sort of let that go and to, to arrive at this new level of, of presence and impact without losing the core you. I think that the, you pull all the good stuff through and, and sometimes the stuff holding us back is all our own, our own doing. So it's very, it's awesome to see. If you were to tell someone, whether it's an upcoming snowboarder or someone tackling, you know, environmental problems or advocacy, anybody kind of fascinated by your path, any tips or tricks that have helped to specifics, not so much the, the high level stuff that we've been talking about, like the mind, the, the concept of growth mindset, but literally like you're in a car sleeping, sleeping at the bottom of the mountain, you know, no, no English having to do this contest. Like what did you literally do to get yourselves over those humps? Or, you know, you're about to speak for uh, in front of a large audience on, a, you know, environmental issue and you're not super comfortable. With that. Any tips or tricks to, to save somebody a little pain, uh, lessons you've learned that that might be actually super tangible and useful for somebody yeah i yeah that's a, that's a good one aaron <laughs> that's a good one. I, I it's tough to like give a short answer but i think take the leap like you know if i always tell myself when i am in a in a place of of confusion where like should i do this or should i do that and where it's stressful decision I always tell myself, what are you going to remember the most on your deathbed? Like, hmm. you know, would, what would you do now if you were on your deathbed looking back at this moment? And is it like, are you going to be proud that you said no to this thing? Are you going to be like, you know, just go for it. Like most of the time, <laughs> the answer is go for it. <laughs> and that helps me like, you know, as a reminder that you only live once, go find what your full potential is. And you might not find it right away. You might have a lot of dead ends, but it's kind of cool to go through that process. Absolutely. And I don't know, it's, it, people admire that and I have a good energy. I mean, I am not perfect. I have I'm not the most positive at times and I get down to, and I like, you know, I'm not the best at dealing with stressful situation, but, uh, try to keep your head up and re remember that, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. It's just like snowboarding. You're going to get hurt. Just get back up, keep doing it and go out when you even like, you know, you're talking about tips, like keep snowboarding, like whatever it is, you can apply to anything. If it's something you're trying to get better at and you're passionate about it, like just keep doing it. 
and not don't wait for those perfect moments to line up. So consistency and, and, yeah. and commitment and acknowledgement that it it's not always going to be fluid and, and smooth and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And anything, and those are all perfect. And then outside of the sort of self-talk and the, and the reminders of, of what you're really all about and what you don't want to look back on and regret anything, whether it's, you know, breathing or um, techniques, tools, and it doesn't have to be, it could be public speaking. It could be snowboarding. It could be stressful new business meeting, literally anything that you do, because, you know, you're able to, despite not enjoying some of these stressful situations, you've been able to consistently perform through them. Uh, Anything else that you might share? Yes, absolutely. I think, I mean, this sounded like I was like, yeah, go for it for anything. But people really know me uh, would say that I'm uh, the captain safety. So I'm very often the person that will be like, no, I don't want to do this. Not worth the risk for me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to know your balance. And, um, you know, yes, breathing is a really good one. And also not be afraid to know your limits and for me what gave me longevity is knowing when to be like i'm not sure this is worth the risk for me right now and that that's more in a in an environment of uh risk uh, like danger and injury stuff but still like i think that it's important right once again my keywords always balance and i apply that to almost everything in my life and so, yeah, taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, um, that will give you so much, like, not only in sports, but mental health, right? Like, you know, whatever you're into, whatever your career is and your goals, taking care of ourselves is so important. And I think we don't talk about that enough, especially the mental health. So, yeah, keep room for those things that clear your mind, make you happy and you know, and then I think that's key because there's so much stress in our lives and there's so much social expectations. So it's good to question ourselves. What does really matter to us? Mm -hmm. What, like, what does really matter to you? And how am I going to get there where my body can handle it? And like my mind can handle it. And what was the best way to reach my goals in that way? I don't know. That's just my, that's, that's perfect. And, so obviously you snowboard, you, you surf, you're physically pretty active day to day. Are there things that you do that are less enjoyable, whether it's physical training, whether it's, uh, you know, stuff that, that isn't necessarily recreation that help you to stay strong mentally, physically that, that you want to share with? <clears throat> Yeah, lots. I don't think I'm a gym type of person. <laughs> Surfing is my gym and like exercise like that. Even I spend a lot of time uh, gardening, landscaping. This this summer, actually, I had a, like a part-time landscaping gig, which was awesome. I've, I was really in shape, <laughs> although it hurts at times. <laughs> um, but um, what did I want to say? I think that there's so many tools out there as well. Like I, for the first time I worked with a life coach and like some kind of mentoring and I see so much benefit in that because 
for me myself, one of my biggest struggles is uh, dealing with guilt. And I don't know where it's coming from, but like I always say sorry about everything. I always feel like, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't I always feel guilty about something. Oh, I have too much. And that's kind of driving a lot why I'm trying to give back so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really cool to like, you know, get these, try different things, get different support, like whether like, you know, a lot of people do a lot of work at the gym, but then they will never address the mental stuff. So I think a balance of both is, yeah, probably the best once again. <laughs> Very cool. I did not realize that you were working with a coach. That's fantastic. It's, it is, it really works for everybody. I, I, even as a coach, I have a coach and I have a mentor and the benefits are super, super awesome. And, uh, and they, it does, it's a super efficient way to cut through a lot of stuff that you didn't think maybe was even happening or that maybe you could do anything about. So mm-hmm. good. So I want to wrap us up with one last question, which is what's next for you? So you have seaweed farm, but outside of that, uh, what should we expect from you over the next year and change? Well, I don't have the seaweed farm yet. So and that's probably going to be the next five years to develop like what I truly have in mind. Uh, but that, so that's really exciting. Um, but what's next is a simple balance of all these things I'm passionate about. So I want to keep snowboarding. This is my church. It's my recharge. This is where I get the most joy and fuels all my other passions and um yeah i guess we're gonna keep the west coast triple plan going we have a live uh, like um edition we have a virtual edition this year so anyone all over the world can enter this year which is really cool so you just have to make a little snow skate surf edit you don't even have to do all three um so shout out to anybody who wants to enter and all the profits are going to central west coast for a society and yeah i guess I have a lot of cool projects coming like together um, with Patagonia. Like, so we have like some trips planned in BC. Of course, we're trying to stay local with um, a few of them with my good friend, Leah Evans, uh, who, you know, skier from Revelstoke. So we have a big traverse in the spring from the Boogaboos to Rogers Pass. So that's something we've looked at for a few years. So, we're preparing for that and it's going to be a really cool story and Patagonia is actually making a film about it. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, uh, I don't know. I'm just going with the flow. I don't have like mega big projects that I can brag about, but to me, I'm just focusing on what makes me happy and trying to do my best as along the way. <laughs> that in, in, uh, in closing sounds a lot like you always have a lot going on, uh, never bragging about it, but always, uh, going far bigger than than you might be speaking about it. <laughs> uh, well, fantastic. So uh, good luck with your traverse and getting that tenure and uh, keeping the balance into 2021. Thank you so much. Thanks for this conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed having you on the show and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks All so right. much. Take Bye. care.